This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled and fired up to be with you today. Why don't you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And my heart is so full and excited about what I know we're going to cover today. Today, we're going to talk about friendships disagreements, and our fundamental commitments to one another. How do we navigate this holiday season uh, in a way that deepens our friendships, that helps us to overcome disagreements and uh, models the commitment that Christ has commanded us to have to one another? Uh, I hope that today, as you join this program, that you know that Christ has given to you, to me, the ministry of reconciliation, and how do we navigate that? Whether it is with our children, our spouse, our extended family, our friends, our neighbors. If we're going to celebrate Christmas, if Christmas is really going to be a time where we model the impact and the significance of the fact that Christ has come, it should show itself in our relationships. And today, to help us to navigate this conversation, is uh, Matthew Lee Anderson. Matthew was recently on with me to talk about his wonderful book, Called Into Questions, Cultivating the Love of Learning Within the Life of Faith. I so enjoyed that conversation that I asked Matthew if he'd be willing to come back before Christmas to talk about a particular chapter of his book, uh, chapter seven of his book, which is really given to friendships, to navigating disagreements and helping us to understand our commitments, our required commitments to one another in relationship. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Dr. Matthew, uh, Dr. Anderson, rather, uh, and his ministry, let me just share a little bit about him. He is the assistant professor in uh, Baylor University's Honors College and the associate director of Baylor in Washington. He holds a doctorate degree in Christian ethics from Oxford University, He also has uh, done so much by way of helping to advance our understanding of Christian ethics. He is the founder of Mere Orthodoxy. It's a web-based magazine that uh, so many ascribe to and so grateful for the work that he's doing there. And I'm grateful that he carved out time to be with us today. Matthew, how are you? I'm doing really well, Chris. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for joining me. Let's let's just talk a little bit again about the love of books and the work that you do over at the Honors College. Yeah, I love teaching. I'm actually in the middle of grading finals right now. So I'm I'm, I'm immersed. <laughs> the funnest you know, part like, of teaching. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, it's it's but I've got great students and we spend a lot of time thinking together. I taught classes on the ethics of reputation this fall and we read a lot of great stuff and thought about, you know, the questions like what what is a reputation? What is it good for? 
yeah. how do we navigate yeah. our own reputations? I, I love spending time with students and helping students learn to ask really good questions. Well, you do a great job of it, and obviously it's reflected in your book. So share a little bit. When you were on before, you uh, let us know about the origin story and passion behind called in the questions. But if you wouldn't mind, just recap for us. Yeah, you know, it's a book that comes out of my experience as a student in discussion classes and as a teacher where I'm asking my students questions. And I'm, I'm really trying to help people learn how to ask good questions, not by being anxious about good questions, but by learning the freedom that we have in Christ to bring our questions to God, our, to ask our questions about God with others. Um, so I'm really, I really am committed to, you know, I, I will talk about Mary's question. This is a great time of year to think about Mary, right? Like she's, she's, you know, we're about to celebrate Christmas. And when the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to uh, give birth to the person who's going to be the Messiah. Her question is, how will these these things be? And it's a it's a wonderful question. You know, it's it's how, right? Like I've I've received this faith. How is it going to work? And that's the sort of question that I want to help people learn to ask and learn to not be afraid of and really embrace. Cause I think it's it's a beautiful question. So call them to questions is my attempt to help people learn how to ask those sorts of questions. You know, I was recently thinking about the magnitude of the God that we serve, that we are called to worship, to pray to, to think about that this is the God who, with mere words, made planets and galaxies and the universe. And when you think about how uh, magnificent that is, how expansive that is, how awe-inspiring that is, it becomes even more uh, overwhelming to think that this God wrapped himself in flesh and came, and according to the prologue to the Gospel of John, to dwell among us. And even more magnificent and sometimes overwhelming is that he invites us to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that, the, the thought of asking the God of the universe questions that is uh, utterly unique and such a, a blessing of the Christian faith. It is, you know, questions are rooted in wonder. If we think about little children as they grow older, right? Like once they learn to speak, one of the first things that they practice is asking questions. You know, I've got a friend with a three-year-old and that little kid asks why to everything until I finally, you know, you, like as every parent experiences, you reach yes. a point where you're like, because, because there's just no further answer to why you have to do it. <laughs> um, but, you know, children ask questions because they're so enraptured with the world. They're so interested in it. It's such a wonderful, strange place. And if we think about, as you say, you know, this God who speaks the world into existence he's he's astonishing like it's it's like we cannot fathom the goodness of god and as we reflect on that and as we reflect on that god becoming human in jesus christ we have to ask questions that's what having faith like a child as jesus says we should have that's what that means not being afraid to ask our questions but i we should also say it's really terrifying Right. So you in your description of God who makes the earth and who's has this power, 
God asks us questions too. And as you described that, I thought of Job, right? This character from the Bible who really puts his questions to God. He really wonders, where was God in the midst of my suffering? At the, and at the end of Job, God asked Job a lot of questions. Were you there when I formed the stars? Were you there when I walked in the bottom of the deep, at the bottom of the ocean? Like, where yes, were yes. you when I was crafting the universe? And that reminds Job of how human he is, of how, mm. in one sense, he's so limited. He's not God. And God does that by asking Job questions. And so we have to, as we think about the terrible goodness of God, the, the awesome power of God, we have to realize he invites us to ask questions and he asks us questions. And he asks us questions because he wants us to talk with him. But it's also a little bit terrifying because his questions can be hard to answer, right? They will remind yes. us of our humanness and yeah. make us make it clear to us that we are not God. Well, sometimes I have to be honest with myself on why I haven't brought up a question in a relationship. Sometimes it's because I'm afraid of the yeah. answer. Sometimes I'm afraid of the truth and the honesty. Uh, yep. But today we hope to invite you um, on Christ's behalf to bring your questions to this conversation at 877-548-3675. That's 877-LIVE-675. Now your book covers a number of different areas from doubt to lament to what a life of questioning looks like, what a community that asks good questions looks like. But there was one chapter that really spoke to my heart, especially in this season. It's chapter seven of your book, it's simply entitled Friendship, Disagreement, and Our Fundamental Commitments. Why was it important to include this chapter? And what's your hope? What is your hope for those who would read this particular chapter of the book? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question, Chris. I appreciate it because it does feel at, at points like this chapter is a little bit weird in this book. I think, look, we have a lot of divisions in our society and we've always had divisions in our society, but yes. there's, there's just so much disagreement over such fundamental sort of matters, right? It's, and it's very hard to know how to navigate those very deep disagreements. And when you start asking questions, when you start reflecting about the world and putting your questions to the world, it's not very long if you do that with someone else that you come around and you realize we don't see this the same way, that we differ. And there's something about that disagreement that's really terrifying and that's really hard for us to deal with. And so. I wanted to reflect on those disagreements and ask, can asking questions help us navigate those disagreements? How can asking questions help us navigate those disagreements? But also what are the limits of questions? You know, like, is it the case that, it, like in a book like this, where you're wanting people to ask questions, the easy thing to do is to say, questions are gonna solve your problems. They're gonna make everyone agree, right? Like everyone's gonna sort of get along and be happy and harmonious and that's gonna be the end of the day. And if you just learn to ask questions, everything's gonna be happy, right? And yeah. actually, I'm not sure that's true. And so I really wanted to think about what are the limits of asking questions that's good. for some of these disagreements? <clears throat> like where, what can questions do for us, but also what can they not do for us? When we, when we talk with someone and we reach a point and we think like, 
we just we just disagree here. We've we've worked our way through all of the issues, but we don't see eye to eye. What do we do in yeah. that sort of case? Um, so that no, was really I, what I was trying to wrestle with. Well, I think the book is instructive, and I just want to take a pastoral approach, if I could, for just a moment, Matthew, and that is to say that one of the things that I lament so much is probably it's safe to say that not a week goes by where I don't encounter a family that says, we don't talk anymore, we don't speak to one another anymore because of how they voted. Or we don't speak to one another anymore because of their views on sexual ethics. Or we don't speak to one another anymore because they attended that march. Or because they refused to join me at a march. These are real practical realities, scenarios that pastorally I and many other pastors encounter week after week after week. And we are wondering to ourselves, how do we help fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives? How do we help friends to navigate these deep areas of disagreement? How do we help them to experience reconciliation? And how do we help them to show the love of Christ to one another in the midst of these deep, deep areas of differences? So we're going to talk about that. And if any of that describes your current family situation or friendship situation or church situation, Matthew and I would love for you to call. We would love to share wisdom with you from Matthew's book or at a bare minimum to be your prayer partner today, to come alongside and to be your prayer partner. What an honor that would be. The phone number is 877-548-3675. As you think about your dinner table in in just a couple of weeks, who's not gonna be there because there's a disagreement? What tensions are gonna be in the room? because there, there are fundamental differences. And how do we navigate that? 877-548-3675 is the number. Join the conversation. I think we have a few giveaways as well today. For those of you who would call with questions, we have a few copies, complimentary copies of Matthew's phenomenal book, Called Into Questions, Cultivating the Love of Learning Within the Life of Faith. Don't forget, support the program as we end yet another year. Your generous tax-deductible gift will help us to finish the year strong and to dream big about the year that is to come. Go to our website, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. We'll be right back with more of Equip right after this. As the year comes to a close here at Equip, we've seen so many lives change through our daily communication of the gospel. 
Help us to expand our reach by giving a year-end gift. Now, I know that some of you can afford to give gifts of $100 or $500 or even $1,000, and we thank you for your partnership. Really, any amount will help us in our mission to promote the gospel. Together, we can reach the world. Make a difference with a year-end gift today by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I'm reminded today of the difference one gift can make to change the entire story of um, a ministry, a vision, a mission. Our mission is quite simple. We want to reach the next generation with the gospel. And if that is your passion, I'm asking for you uh, to be that person who makes a gift that changes the story. Um, maybe your most generous gift is the gift that you will give next. And I pray that today you will respond to the Lord's uh, urging, uh, nudging, prompting uh, today. Because on the other side of your obedience, lives are being changed as the gospel is proclaimed. But in many ways, this is a moment where all hands are on deck and you know, I follow sports. Maybe many of you do as well. And one of the cool things about sports is at the end of the game, um, the score on the board is collective. It's not just about what one person did or another, but it's what we did as a team cumulatively. So maybe your gift is a $50 gift, or maybe someone else does a $100 gift, or someone else does a $1,000 gift. At the end of the day, the wonderful thing is that it's all of us doing our part that gets the victory for the kingdom. So can you call this number now, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144, or go to equipradio.org. Today I'm joined by Matthew Lee Anderson, his book called into questions. Um, Dr. Anderson, before we went to break, uh, one of the things that I typically do is try to take the philosophical and make it practical. And uh, as a pastor, that is my heart. And I feel like there's so much value in your book, in particular, Chapter 7 today, Friendships, Disagreements, and Our Fundamental Commitments. Now, we're going to go to the phone line in just a moment. So those of you that are on the phone lines, just hold for just a moment. But I want to ask about this. It was William Blake in his book, uh, The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, back in 1994, that wrote these words, um, I'm sorry, back, yeah, back in 1994, he wrote these words, opposition is true friendship. You use it, he used it as well, in relationship of describing the friendship between Owen Barfield and C.S. Lewis. Talk a little bit about that phrase and about that friendship. Yeah, you know, opposition is true friendship. It's one of my favorite phrases, in part because there, there's just a sense of, like we don't have to fear disagreements about it. And actually that there, you can imagine two people who uh, really disagree, but they actually make their friendship around those disagreements. And that was kind of like Owen Barfield and C.S. Lewis. They had a lot in common. Uh, they agreed on a whole lot, but they had some pretty deep disagreements and they argued a lot. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien author of Lord of the Rings was a friend of both of them. Barfield was a member of the Inklings. He's not as well known as Lewis and Tolkien for obvious reasons, um, but he knew both of them. And Tolkien described 
the relationship between Owen uh, Barfield and C.S. Lewis. And he basically said they would just like have these rollicking arguments where they would be very loud. It'd be very spirited. They take over the Eagle and child where they would meet and they would just argue all night and everyone would sort of sit around and watch that. And it's just, you know, he's got this line where he said, if an outsider had watched Barfield and Lewis go at it, he would have thought it a meeting of fell enemies hurling deadly insults before drawing their guns. That's how intensely they disagreed, but they liked each other so much that yeah, they continue yeah. to have these arguments. And I just love that vision for yes. spirited disagreement. It's so you, much fun. You know, one of the lessons I learned as a youth pastor uh, was that I could challenge teens and the parents would support me if they knew that I loved them. If they knew yeah. I loved their child, if they knew that I had a deep uh, commitment to their well-being, that laid the foundation for me to challenge them. But the less I had proven my love, the less I could disagree strongly or challenge strongly. And when I hear about the relationship between Owen Barfield and C.S. Lewis, I think there must have been such a deep love between those two men that they could disagree with such spirited intensity. And I pray That's that one of the lessons we walk away with in this conversation and from your chapter is that we need to establish that foundation of love in our relationships. Let's go to the phone lines, if you don't mind. Gwen is yeah. listening patiently in Ohio. Hey, Gwen, thank you so much for calling today. How can we pray for you? Um, my my youngest son <clears throat> have two children Um my grandma, I two little young girls, but I don't have a good relationship with them, and it's mainly, I think, it's because of the mom, um, and I don't know why. I, I, you know, I said, could I apologize what I've done? I need to vindicate myself, but I don't know what I did. Anyway, my son just confessed to me recently. He said, um, he told me some things, and he told me everything that has happened, and they've been married for like 16 years. Everything that has happened down the years, he said, Mommy, it's not your fault. Trust me, it's not your fault. Yeah. So I want to know yeah. how can I develop a better relationship with the girls and with the mom. Yeah. I mean, when I go to the house, like the holidays, I greet everybody, sure. I hug them, talk to mom, but we just haven't had a good relationship, and I don't know why. Yeah. Well, first off, um, I my heart breaks because I know as a grandma, the the desire that is clearly there in your heart to have a relationship with your grandbabies. And to not be able to have that is heartbreaking, and, and to not feel close to your daughter-in-law is also difficult. So please know that I sympathize with you. So does Matthew. Matthew, I'd love for you to share your wisdom. I think my, my first thought, though, is the recognition that people bring into relationships uh, everything that they've experienced in life prior to meeting us. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget, or it's easy not to see, that the decisions that are being made, the disposition that a person might have towards me, maybe it has less to do with me and more to do with hurts, traumas, pains that they've been through in the past. And the best thing that I can do is to try my best to pray for them, to love them as well as I can and to use whatever mediator I can. And it sounds like your son 
is the best person to be that mediator to try to overcome whatever obstacles may be there either that I cause or that I didn't cause. Matthew, what wisdom would you give to Gwen? Yeah, I think everything that you said, Chris, is right. And these are really hard situations. I think the other thing I would add is, you know, if you can ask questions and listen, do a lot of listening. If it's not knowing what the cause of a sort of alienation or a, a sense of disconnect with someone is really hard, right? There's a question that you have where you really want to understand how did we get to this point where we don't connect in a way that we would both really want to connect? And I think if if you find yourself in that sort of situation, just asking that question even of someone else, finding a context where it's safe, where you, you know, you're able to uh, have some time where you can ask the question that way and then just spend a lot of time listening and trying to understand what the other person's feelings are, what their thoughts are, and not being defensive because your identity is in Christ and you don't have to be defensive. You don't have to be afraid of what they would say. Taking responsibility for things that you should take responsibility for, but also not taking responsibility for things that you shouldn't, right? Like those are very, it's a very hard thing to do, but just asking that question directly of the person, it's, it's hard, it's uncomfortable, but it, if it gives them an opportunity to speak, and allows you to listen, that itself can be a context in which a deeper intimacy can emerge out of. I think we it, we don't do a good job of asking each other those sorts of questions. Yeah, We often get in these situations when we just continue with the status quo uh, because the questions, digging it up, seems like it could make everything worse and it might, and that's that's the risk. And it might feel worse for a while, but it might also be the case that it's the sort of question that you have to ask and work through. And if it gets worse for a little while, it might get better long term. Father, thank you for Gwen. Thank you for her family. We do pray for your intercession, Lord. We pray for you to reconcile Gwen with her daughter-in-law and with her grandchildren. Bless her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Gwen, stay on the line. We want to get you a complimentary copy of Matthew's book. For the rest of our friends who are listening, go to our website, equipradio.org. Click on today's program details. Find out more about Matthew and about Called Into Questions. Taking your calls next up on Equip. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks so grateful for those of you who are supporting the program. Thank you to Winsome from Florida. Thank you to Mike from Kokomo, Indiana. Thank you to Mary, who just became a monthly partner from Wheaton, Illinois. Thank you so much for your partnership in the gospel. Friends, uh, the time to reach the next generation with the gospel is right now. The window is wide open and uh, supporting ministries like ours that are committed to taking up the tough questions of our culture, not running from them, but to speak to them boldly with our feet firmly planted in the gospel, uh, with a heart of compassion and unresolved conviction concerning the word of God. I, I pray that all of those things matter to you. And if they do, your generosity in this moment will make all the difference in allowing us to be able to speak the truth 
of God's love in Christ to a world that so desperately needs it. Can you dial this number now, 888-644-4144? That's 888-644-4144. Or go to equipradio.org. Today, I'm so grateful to be joined by Dr. Matthew Lee Anderson. We're talking about Chapter 7 of his book, Called Into Questions. We're also taking your calls as we discuss friendship, disagreement, and our fundamental commitments to one another. Let me ask this question. How does this chapter, in your opinion, speak to the overall state of the American church? Yeah, the overall state of the church is not good. We have a lot of division. I mean, it's not just political divisions outside of the church. We have divisions inside of the church, and we have disagreements, and people don't know how to reconcile with one another. And so what I hope people think about is how we are cultivating a spirit of understanding, right? I actually want people to have good disagreements, which means that I want people to disagree about things that they really understand about the other. I I experienced this, you know, like I'm married and sometimes in the middle of an argument, I'll think, I'm not sure we actually are really disagreeing so much as we're just not understanding each other. And partially what we're trying to do is get clear on how the other people person actually sees the situation. Now, at the end, once we've done that, we might see the situation very differently. We might understand and just disagree. But so many of our disagreements and our fights are rooted on in mistakes about how the other person sees the world or how they think we see the world. And I actually think we we need to do a lot more work of asking questions of one another and trying to understand one another so that we can have real disagreements. Um, so that's that's one thing that I hope the church yeah. wrestles yeah. with out of this. Yeah, I, I think that's a refreshing take on disagreements. Let's have real disagreements. You know, and I know what a straw man argument is and you know, yeah. how we can have false perceptions of someone, misrepresentations of what they actually are communicating as their belief. The next thing you know, we're not getting anywhere because we haven't really genuinely sought to understand. I think it was uh, John Piper, Pastor John Piper, who said that before you can disagree with someone's opinion about an issue, you need to first find out what makes it attractive to those who adhere to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a, that's a really important step in the process. I may disagree with you, but I need to understand what is it that causes you and others to be attracted to that position if I'm going to represent it accurately and well. Maybe you're experiencing the div- divisions within your own family, within your own church. We're going to take your calls at 877-548-3675. That's 877-548. 548-3675. I want to ask a question on behalf of a caller who called earlier, Charlotte. She called from Florida, and she says this, isn't it our responsibility in disagreements about ethics and morality to simply represent God's side and perspective of things? Uh, I think that's a, that's a question that most people have, like, uh, the Bible's clear in, in 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 so many of these areas where there's ethical or moral disagreements, and we feel an obligation 
when these disagreements arise around our dinner table or in our living room or at our churches to say, no, 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 God has spoken. He's given us a direct command. Um, is that wrong, Matthew? No, I don't think that's wrong. There are many issues on which God has given very clear prohibitions, right? Very clear rules about what human beings should not do. Uh, if you've got a family member who thinks that murder is acceptable, well, you know, that's like to choose a very obvious example, right? That's clearly in contrast with the norms that God has laid out. So I don't think that's wrong, but I also think it's very dangerous. There's a whole lot of issues where it seems very clear, but we don't, we don't understand wholly what the Bible means. And we are trying to ask questions about it and come to our own understanding. And we should also recognize that many of the, many of the passages in the new Testament that talk about teaching and disagreement use the language of gentleness and meekness to describe how pastors, for instance, should bring people into the truth. So Paul says this in Galatians, right? He wants people to correct others with gentleness so that they might be saved. And we have to think about if, even if we are right in our convictions, how can we convey those convictions with a spirit of gentleness, with an inviting spirit that allows others to ask us questions about those rather than putting an end to the conversation, right? So you can say the Bible says X and that's the truth. But if you say that with a spirit of gentleness, you might ask or invite the other person to ask you questions about that, which is what you want. You want the conversation to continue even about what scripture says. You want to invite others into that conversation so that they can discern and have a sense about how you see the world and about how God sees the world. And so being able to, to say what the Bible says with meekness and with gentleness seems to me to be extremely important. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I used to at my uh, local church do um, open Q&A nights where we would invite mm -hmm. Matthew, folks from the community, to come with your questions. We want to Filled your questions, answer your questions to the best of our ability. And I used to think as people walked to the mic, how important it was, even when two people asked the same question, to find out why each person was asking the question. Not that it changes God's perspective on the question, but it certainly should impact the way that I answer the question. Let me just give you an example, one common one. If someone comes and asks the question, is homosexuality wrong? Well, as Christians, we may quickly be ready to respond. Maybe we feel that, man, this is a no-brainer. I've studied scripture on this, quote, chapter and verse. But what if that person is asking because their son has chosen to live a homosexual lifestyle and uh, their heart is broken, but they want to reach him? Should that inform the way we answer that person? Or conversely, whether the person is asking because they are a activist, an LGBTQ activist, and they are hostile to the church and uh, looking just simply for a soundbite to hold against us. Should that inform the way? Or what if the person is dealing with same unwanted same-sex attraction within their own personal life? So the same question can be asked for three different reasons. And again, it doesn't change the ethics on the question, 
but it certainly changes the way that I approach the response. Let's go to Tony, who's listening in Chicago. Hey, Tony, thank you so much for listening to the conversation. Uh, what's your comment, and how can we pray for you today? Uh, you guys actually hit it right on the money a few minutes ago. Uh, I, I believe that the Scripture tells us exactly how we're to handle every situation, and that's with gentleness and meekness. And we should always turn to the war, to the Word of God to uh, answer any types of questions that uh, we may be faced with. And when we do it with, out of love, but in truth, I think that's when people are going to be receptive. Uh, we got to always remember to put aside our opinion and just speak the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? And how is it that we're called to live? And when we use the Word of God to address the situation and we point to the Word of God, I think people are going to be more receptive and listen. And then, as you, as you mentioned, they're going to ask questions back, and we can then have that dialogue instead of a, an argument where now walls are up and nobody's listening to what the other person is saying. And we see that in James, James uh, 3, verse 13 through uh, 18 really gives us the, the, the blueprint of how to handle that situation uh, in gentleness with wisdom from above. Yeah, I appreciate that, Tony. Thank you for giving us a call. Matthew, your reflections or comment on Tony's uh, statement? No, Tony's nailed it. I mean, even down to the James passage, which I think is a really important passage. Um, I, You know, like, we really do want to keep conversations going because we're in relationship with these people. And Chris, what you were saying about questions being asked for three different reasons, right? And trying to understand what are the reasons beneath this person's questions. One reason, one thing that I love about that is we're trying to not just win an argument. We're trying to understand a person because we love this person and we want to be in a deeper and closer relationship with this person even if we disagree at the end of the day about this issue right now, because we don't know whether we're going to disagree about this issue or this question two years from now, right? We do know that if we're not in relationship with this person two years from now, it's going to be harder to agree about it, right? And so we want to deepen our relationships with others, which means really listening to the reasons that they have for asking their questions and that requires gentleness. It requires a posture of humility and a meekness and of saying the truth with firmness and boldness, but also in such a way that we invite others to push back on that and to object and to disagree and that we spend as much time listening to them articulate their reasons as we take to articulate our reasons for what we believe. So appreciate you sharing that. And Tony, we want to get you a copy of called into questions matthew lee anderson's wonderful book sounds like you'll use it and uh i i would simply add this one of the things that everyone feels is that the bible is on our side and that we feel that across every issue so part of what we need to know is what heels are worth dying on to use the title of a book that I would highly recommend, um, to be able to have a taxonomy or ranking of importance. You know, when we went through as a church COVID, one of the things that concerned me were not honest discussions about mask wearing or vaccinations. I think there's a place for that. But it was the what I saw as a pastor is us raising mask wearing and vaccination to the level of the virgin birth. 
inerrancy of Scripture, as if all of these discussions were matters of faith or not, and where a person landed determined whether or not they were truly seen as a believer or a follower of Christ or an infidel in the eyes of some. And you pick your side. The point is, is that we have to be able to understand rank and order uh, as we seek to do everything Tony just recommended, as we seek to walk in gentleness and respect towards one another. Part of it is asking the question, is this a matter of first importance, the gospel? Is this a matter of secondary importance, how we live it out? Or is this a matter of tertiary importance, our preferences that we can easily disagree on? You may think vanilla ice cream is the best. I'm a strawberry man myself. But here's the reality. There's space for disagreement there. But what we have to be able to do is find agreement in the matters that matter most. I'm so grateful to have Matthew Lee Anderson with us. He's going to stay with us for another segment. So don't go anywhere because I believe the wisdom he shares in his book can unite us in our families, across our churches, and in our communities. Called into question, go to our website, equipradio.org, click on our program details, order your copy today. This time of year, Christmas music is everywhere. But I want to take you back long before the first Christmas album was ever released to the days of Jesus' birth. In Born a Child and Yet a King, author Nancy DeMoss Wagaman reflects on who Jesus is and why he came by giving us a tour of the gospel in carols. This book is yours with a gift of any amount to equip. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Matthew Lee Anderson is with us today. Uh, his book is Called Into Questions, Cultivating the Love of Learning Within the Life of Faith. Are you a good question asker? I pray that you are. While we focus in so often on how well we answer questions, I think it's important if you're going to be a great learner and a good listener that we also cultivate the skill of asking questions. There's so many aspects of your chapter here. Matthew, that we have yet to get to, but I would love to maybe land a plane and asking two questions. One is, what do you believe really brings unity to a community? What unites people as a community instead of just simply being a collection of individuals? I think what we love brings us together. The goods that we love unite us as a people. If you think about sports, I don't know who your sports team is, but I, you know, I work for Baylor. So of course I, I love Baylor sports. And when I go to a Baylor basketball game, you know, I'm around a bunch of people who equally love this institution and love our sports team. And that's what makes Baylor a distinct community of people with a distinct mm. identity. The mm. fact that we have this history, that we have these, these shared loves. And I think that if we think about the church, what the church has in common, we disagree about a lot of things. We might disagree about certain political judgments. We might disagree about uh, our favorite sports teams, right? But we, what we have in common is that we worship 
the triune God, that we confess together the name of Jesus Christ and that we submit ourselves to his lordship. And I, and I think that, you know, if we think about our communities and across whether it's a business, whether it's our families, what binds us together is what we love. And so the deeper, the better things that we love, the closer we will come together as a people. That's good. That's really good. It's interesting you bring up Baylor basketball because my team is Michigan State. I love Michigan State, though though I've been very disappointed of recent. And uh, they play each other this weekend. Uh, I apologize for what's going to happen to you on Saturday. Let let me let me just say, let me just say, this conversation was going really well up until (laughs) now, and so we'll see how it ends. Let's see how it ends. No, I got to be honest. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm glad that that's a road road game for you guys. Let's let's land here. What do you? What advice? What wisdom would you give, Matthew, to someone who says? I've tried again and again and again to ask good questions with a person, to overcome a disagreement with a person, just simply to no avail. They seem to be totally committed to being disagreeable. How do you navigate that? Yeah, there might come a point where you don't have enough in common. You don't love the same things, and it just means that you end up parting ways. Now, that's really hard if you're a family member, and maybe that's not right. And you think like, well, if they're family and we're, we're just stuck together, we can't actually go our separate ways, then you have to think, how can we build up other new common loves? What are the new things that we can talk about? What are the new interests that we could bring forward where we could find points of agreement? And how can we lean into those things that we love? Because we don't feel like we're making progress on the things that divide us. And so I, you can think about like building up a relationship through investing in the person and, and, and maybe you find something that they love and you try to love it learn to love it, right? You take on a new interest, a new type of love just for purposes of building up common ground with this person with whom you have these other types of disagreements. Because it's really easy when we disagree with someone to allow that disagreement to become consuming, right? To take on such a distorted proportion for us to see this person entirely through the lens of that one disagreement when really there are so many other issues that they think about. There are so many other things happening in their lives. They have so many other interests in addition to this one thing. And so trying to expand our vision of this person by reminding us ourselves of how many other things they love and trying to find common ground elsewhere within their lives seems to me about all we can do as people. Well, and I would just say this, hearing you uh, describe our loves and the impact it has on uniting our hearts the way you do should uh, drive us as Christians to really understand what matters most and to be more united than any other group in the world because of our common and shared love for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew, it's so fun having you on. Thanks for being with us today, brother. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. I've really enjoyed it. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, friends, I want to encourage you to go to our website, find out more, click on program details, order your copy of Called Into Questions. Don't forget to support the program as well. Call now at 888-644-4144. So we're together again next time. As always, remember, Quit With Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.